to Success Beneath the Surface, hosted by Deborah Fell, Managing Partner at Chief Outsiders. Deborah provides insights specifically for CEOs from growth-oriented companies. In this second episode with Zena Ergrinsky, she shares insights on the human aspect of digital transformation, emphasizing the need for upskilling the workforce and creating a culture of experimentation and learning. Zena advises CEOs that the first priority is to develop a strategy that identifies the most pressing problems and determines whether traditional tools or applied data science should be used for solutions and then determine what the cultural hurdles are to achieving it. She also highlights the evolving nature of machine learning models and the importance of critical thinking skill development in navigating both these technologies and internal hurdles. This conversation provides valuable insights for leaders looking to leverage technology and drive meaningful change within their organizations. Join Deborah and Zena for this episode, Building a Future-Ready Business, Tech, Culture, and Strategy. You can also listen to the first half in the previous episode, Episode 17, Your Data Story is Your Business Story. You know, I'm trying to remember when we met, actually, at a private equity women in leadership mm-hmm. function. And we had a chance to talk a little bit about it. And I said to myself, okay, I've got to have her on my show. This is just really interesting, insightful, and very, very important. But I do believe you were headed off to Nova Scotia, or I feel like you were going to be- I was actually headed off to Alaska. <laughs> Alaska, that's right. Because I had kind of the feeling of frozen tundra, never having yes. been to Alaska myself, but this beautiful, you know, I just have this picture of you out there with all your gear, inspecting lines alongside workers. I mean, that that was my, yeah. that's where I thought. Actually, you- I've always had an affinity for heavy construction equipment. So I'm never happier than if I'm in a payload or moving big piles of dirt yeah. around. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. And so what's interesting about all of this is there's sort of this idea of, of taking things that are tools and realizing that they can become entire almost infrastructure for a company to enable it to run its business in different ways that helps it to be wildly competitive. I mean, if I were to kind of sum up or give me a better summary. I think that's a great summary. I think the one thing that's missing that is really relevant to where we find ourselves today is leaders, C-suite leaders, often forget that the new shiny thing is just that, a new shiny thing. And in order to effectively use the new technology that we have, it's not a rip and replace. It has to integrate with what you've already invested in, right? That's why it becomes so challenging. That's why it becomes so challenging in today's world to figure out what are the right tools. So you definitely need some guidance because you want to exploit the investments you've made. You want to add the new technology to it, but always in service of the strategy, right? So I have CFOs. My favorite stories were early on, CFOs would ask me and CEOs would ask me like, how many data scientists do I need to hire? Mm-hmm. And I would say none <laughs> okay. until you can tell me what business problems you're trying to solve, how this fits into your IT and analytics strategy and what your expected ROI mm-hmm. is going to be. You shouldn't hire any. 
And so you saw a period of five to eight years where everyone was just experimenting. And if you heard about the success statistics, Mm -hmm. it was maybe 5% of all of these projects were making it into production. And so the question is why? So part of the premise of my book and the wrap up, and this is, I'm using the Nova Scotia company as a use case, and I have some others that I'm writing about, but the missing link here is once again, people. Okay. So this is just technology. We still need human beings. And what I'm seeing the market over rotate on right now is we've got chat GPT, we've got these large learning models. Yes. What's fascinating to me is that we, for the first time, can take an entire company, yes. and you've heard the term, create the digital twin. You can now take that digital twin and create a massive model out of it so that now you really are integrating the data that is cross-functional, marketing, sales, finance, manufacturing, other operations, facilities, and literally view that as one mathematical model where you can pull a lever and see how it impacts everything. We're really at the forefront of this. That's amazing. And what I'd really like people to understand is that There is a human evolution that we have to go through. So when I speak to C-suites about their challenges, the first challenge is that the C-suite is comprised of varying age groups. And so their understanding of technology and how to apply it varies. So the first thing I always had to do was get everybody on the same page. Mm -hmm. so that they had the same understanding. They were using the same vernacular to be able to communicate about their problems, how to structure a problem, what is the best way to solve that problem, what tools to look back at. Don't apply data science when traditional tools will do, right? I had that, uh, I developed a methodology while I was doing an engagement with Intel. Mm-hmm. on that very topic, yeah. right? How do we decide which problems to solve using these new tools? So you're really taking on the biggest, I think these are like big issues, the alignment, the language, the what's the list of problems, maybe that's easier to come up with or challenge. And what's how the- do we upskill our workforce? They don't all have to be yeah. data scientists. Yes. They need to be able to work with data science. Yeah. They need to be able to utilize the tools. The tools will become easier and easier to use as they evolve. Mm-hmm. More intuitive for a business person. And we're already seeing a lot of that in the market. Who's using the tools? Because I think part of this is, is it really about sort of democratizing the decision making in the company versus that it's closely held at the very top? Or is it really just it's informing the entire business at every level, having access to data, decision making? This is this is transformational at every level. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It was 2014 when the then CEO of AT and T 
said, I am going to invest $8,000 in training for every single person in AT&T. Think about the check size that was. And what he did was he mandated that that training had to have something to do with their current job and had to explore how to use new technology to address some of the current problems in everyone's job. And now you have a natural striation of people who for some, that was just overwhelming. Like, can I'm three years away from retirement? Can I just please keep doing what I've done every day? Yes. But the other set of people, it was eye-opening. It's such a wonderful moment when you're with a group of executives Mm -hmm. and middle managers, and you're watching the lights go on, right? You're seeing the light bulbs turn on. And we have to get everyone to the point where they can see the relationship between what their role is and what they're responsible for and what is now possible. And now it's time for a quick break. CEOs need help growing their companies, but don't always have the time or money to hire a full-time chief marketing officer, CMO, or chief sales officer, CSO, or both. Recruiting a quality full-time executive can take months, not to mention the ongoing cost. In these challenging times, CEOs need battle-tested growth executives who can help companies successfully navigate the uncertain waters. Partner with chief outsider CMOs and CSOs who will function as strategic operators to build and execute your growth engines. And we're back. Because everyone has a role to play. And that's the final chapter of my book. That's It's been a very challenging one to write because I expected that we would move much more quickly through this phase. And the size of our institutions, the natural rules and culture mm-hmm. of decision-making, mm-hmm. like we have to break some of that in order to move ahead. Yeah, change. And I'm starting to see it in pockets. Yeah. You're seeing a new set of leaders who are very comfortable with technology mm-hmm. come into power now. Mm-hmm. But the challenge is still... How do I transform the people in our organization? How do I create a culture where it's okay to experiment, right? Failure is all right, but fail fast and then put something in place and teach everybody else. And so there are organizations like General Dynamics, for example, they started doing a lunch and learn. It was a grassroots effort of a bunch of employees who got together mm-hmm. and just started doing these lunch and learns and brought back what they learned into their department. Now, the challenge is you still always have to manage it both from the bottom up and from the top down. Otherwise, you have a situation where every department, and we saw this in places like Exxon, for example, yeah. Every department was starting to build their own data science team. Yes, we're a nat- humans must be naturally siloed. They're just naturally silo focused or something because it can happen. It can happen in so many different ways. And that's the challenge leaders have yes. now. How yeah. do I look at these massive organizations and get everybody to the same place mm-hmm. so that everyone's skating to where the puck's going to be? 
And, you know, I'll tell you, in my experience, even with mid-sized companies, because people are actually in them, it can be the same behavior. It may not be Exxon. It may not be a multi-billion dollar company. But where there are people, these are tendencies without an overarching or overriding factor. So I guess what I love about what we're talking about here today is we were talking about technology. And now we're talking about culture. We're talking about changing dynamics in the C-suite, but also how one, and this seems like it's been a holy grail for a long time, how do you truly in the right way recognize the talents and contributions that everyone can bring and then give them vehicles, process, technology, data that they can contribute in the way and participate in the way. So I guess my, my the sort of the last area of questions are really around for the mid-size company, or it can be any size company, but oftentimes these things are so possible for large companies and become less possible for mid-size companies. But what would you advise a CEO in terms of what they should look at, what's mm-hmm. possible, what they should guard against? Because, you know, AI, AI, these are shiny toys too. And how can they become more wildly competitive and successful in their markets, leveraging some of the things that you're talking about? And what would even, I'm, I'm now asking you 15 questions in one, but this these <laughs> last two may be the most important. And that is, what are one or two or three actions that they or their team can take to start a journey like this if they're not already on it? So the first thing they need to do is to build out a a strategy, right? And the reason that's important is you can get down into the weeds very, very quickly and just get lost. Mm -hmm. So at the leadership level, you have to have a a macro view of the organization. In mid-sized companies, mm-hmm. it's still a challenge, yes. right? Because information is power. There's still all of this siloed departmental yes. behavior. And, and so you're never going to solve for this without solving for those two items. What should the strategy be? And what are the cultural hurdles that we face Mm -hmm. in terms of achieving it? That's the first thing. The second thing is just because there's all this new technology out there doesn't mean we should all be solving every problem using applied data science. Mm -hmm. So, Identifying those, and, and here's here's uh, the methodology that I came up with. It's have your leaders come to the table mm-hmm. and have them each bring two of the most pressing problems mm-hmm. their department or their area of, of functional responsibility has. Mm-hmm. And then eliminate all of the problems that you can solve using the basics Hmm. everything you already have yes but for those problems where it's complex where it may require outside data sources Mm -hmm. in order to create a holistic picture you know to build an ontology essentially 
that incorporates your own organization and outside data, and then start exploring those problems. The last thing I'll say is applied data science and where we're going right now, this is not a one and done by any stretch of the imagination. So if you've got a problem that you have solved using a machine learning model, for example, as more and more data gets introduced into those models, they tend to drift, which means the results change. This is not rules-based, you know, like accounting every single time it's going to add up to this. These models are learning as they go. So they're changing, they're evolving. And I'd say one of the uh, primary frustrations of some of the data scientists that I've worked with has been they let my algorithm out into the wild and you know now it's doing things that were unexpected and we need to fix it. So having human beings monitoring these outputs, it's going to be some time before we get away from that. Even with things like chat GPT, we're starting to hear about it hallucinates. What are we saying when that's it's it is coming to its own conclusion, which is patently incorrect, and it is presenting it as fact. Yes. In a very confident manner, right? So critical thinking yes. is going to be probably one of the most important skills we teach in undergrad, in graduate programs that will enable you to work with these new technologies. And so this is going to be a challenging time, particularly given where we are with the economy, how quickly things are changing yes. now, the yes. new shiny toy, these large language models, yes. right? And just remembering it's a journey. We have all of these great tools at our disposal. Let's use them correctly and let's train our workforce how to use them correctly. Perfect. And I can't think of a better end note for this podcast than the summary that you just gave. I do have to ask you, though, when is your book coming out? I think I have one more case study that I'm working through. Okay. And so I do expect it to be this year. It's one of my personal metrics that I have to satisfy. Great. Great. <laughs> Yes, because I, I'd love to let some of my audience and some of my contacts know about it. I mean, this has just been an incredible learning for me and uh, entirely different direction than I thought we were going on because you're thinking about the totality of the organization, the strategy, the prioritization, the people, and the journey alongside a lot of change. Um, yes that will impact all of these companies, small, medium, large. So thank you. Thank you so much, Zena Ugrinsky, uh, for sharing about your journey. And I look forward to learning more about it as you go. Thank you, Deborah. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Be sure to subscribe in all your favorite podcast apps. Just look for Success Beneath the Surface. Chief Outsiders, part-time growth executives with full-time results.